Hello, listener. Welcome to Area de Rigore, ADR, the weekly Serie A, the weekly cultural show, with me, Danish Iqbal, for BreakingTheLines.com. I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Maxi Angelo. Hello. Hello, Max. Hey. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Yes, good. Now that I'm officially in my house, I was locked out for an hour. We have a we have a guest on today. We have a very very special guest. I'm absolutely pumped that he's on with us. Marco Lai is here. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yes, pleasure, pleasure. We've been wanting to get you on for a long, long time. Marco L A I. Marco Lai. Yep. Was that yep. right? Perfect pronunciation. Yeah, perfect. Of course, of course. And you're from Surprisingly Cali. Surprisingly good. Yes. Why exactly. is it surprising? Well, I'm. I ask Max. I have the best pronunciation in terms of. <laughs> I've never. No, it's, seen not sur- it's not surprising for you. It's just you know maybe some. Sometimes people uh, mispronounce it. You know, like Marco Lay or something. So, it's good to hear the the right pronunciation. It's it, it's simple. It's like lie, like the word in English, Marco Lay. So it's pretty easy. What's up, Marco Lay? Marco Lay, really American. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I'm glad that we have cleared that up because then now we can talk some culture, some some weekly Serie A. Lots and lots and lots happened this week. The Turin derby, uh, Inter picking up a win against Salernitana, Napoli winning again, 3-2. Uh, AC Milan coming back from behind against Hellas Verona to win 2-1. Uh, so lots and lots and lots to go through. Let's quickly give you a run of the scores. Empoli won, Monza nil on Saturday. These are the Saturday games. Torino lost to Juve. A Vlahovic goal, of course. Who else was going to score? Atalanta beat Sassolo 2-1. Then moving on to the Sunday games. Inter 2, Salernitana nil. A goalless draw for Mario Sari's Lazio. Surprising. Napoli beat Bologna 3-2. Spezia Cremonese 2-2. Verona 1, AC Milan 2. Sampdoria losing to Jose Mourinho's Roma. And with a 1-0 score on and Lecce won Fiorentina won. Let's start off with who, Max? Milan. Milan. Yeah, yeah, we get it. We get it. You have to the reigning champions. Podcast. But yes, the reigning champions picking up a 2-1 win. Um, for the most part, it, it felt a little unconvincing at times. I think a little flat. Is yes. the, the the right way to put this? Um, I a little point that I want to put, make very very quickly, and it just stuck out to me. Mike Mignon, because I mean the the news clashes with this news coming out again today that F- Mike Mignon is injured again. Yeah, um, yeah, he had a setback. Yes, uh, another setback, which means it's more of Tatarashanu. Um, the, that is not the good thing news. that. The, that sticks out. Mike Mignon is an excellent keeper, not just for a shot stopping, but you lose so much of the build-up when he's not playing. Like in terms of beginning as an extra passing option in in the build-up, it's just not a secure pair. It's a secure pair of hands, Tatarashano, but it's not Mike Mignon at all. And you lose right from the start. You lose um, a way to play out and progress from defense. Yeah. Um... As you say, especially uh, ball playing abilities like night night and day between Manion and Tatarajano. Um, 
Tatarjan almost looks like it's a bump with his at his feet when he gets it, so he just wants it away. Uh, whereas Magnon even has a few assists to his name uh, because of his great ball playing ability. Yeah, in a way, you might say that Milan just lost uh, their best player. Um, the point is just not that Menyan is really good, but also that difference between him and Tataruzano, because you know some teams actually have two reliable goalkeepers, while the difference between Menyan and Tataruzano is like huge. So yeah. I'm really curious to see what what's gonna change, especially as you were saying from the uh, a build up point of view. It, it just feels like Pioli has a squad, and I've said this constantly for, for our many, many listeners on this podcast, he has a squad of like, always he has to do makeshift things and find makeshift solutions for this team in order to get them functioning the way he wants to. And I thought that after the, the Scudetto last season, he would get a mad amount of investment rather than keep having to come up with makeshift solutions and, and keep sort of rolling with the punches. And, and while that's worked, be- while that has worked really, really well for him, I'm sure that he would want a bigger squad and, and not basically the option to not do that. Again, like this this week, rather Krunich partnered Sandro Tonali in, in midfield. Um, yeah. it, it, look, it worked because they won and they probably won because, again, Pioli is a genius with his changes brought on Benessa on 60th minute with Pabega, it, it gave Milan A, more solidity in midfield, but B, a way to progress the ball quicker and the way they wanted. But I don't know if how sustainable this is. Going up to probably you know, the, the World Cup now, surely they, they expect Mike Magnon to be back after the World Cup. I don't know. Yeah, we we not gotten any kind of confirmation about how severe this setback is. It's just that it's a setback. Um, so we have to wait and see, but um, it's less than a month away now for the World Cup, so it just not much optimism. Um, but uh, as you were speaking about, um, I, I, I too, in kind of thought there were going to be more investment into the squad, but Maldini has sort of been quite open there that. They they made this huge investments into Milan standard um, with the, the Ketteler. Um and then then there's kind of been the same approach as before that they sign Aser Vranks, uh, Serginho Dest, and these players they expect to kind of sign before they explode uh, in their development. Uh, so they kind of. St- they're sticking to this, the same um, recruitment policy because they they kind of had that in mind for the coming three years, and I think we're in year two now. Uh, so yeah. I honestly I don't expect that that much spending ne- next summer either. I think they're going to stick to their plan to have kind of a sustainable, um, sustainable future financially because. Um, if there's one place Milan don't want to be, it's where they were four or five years ago. Even I mean, even with the new ownership, you, you don't think there'll be any investment? No, I think they. Uh, of course, they will. There will be investments, and I think it will kind of successively increase. But I, I don't expect like. Um, 
like the a same goal, thing, yeah. Inter has made in signing like Lukaku for yeah, was yeah. it seventy million euros? I don't expect that because Redbird too, as well as Elliot, uh, the past and f- new owners, they kind of believe in this um, strategic investment instead of like all out uh, spending. Yeah. Um, I, I I thought Pioli's changes were excellent again. I think for me he's one of the best managers in terms of in terms of substitutions. Yep. Uh, it wasn't working at half time. You bought Giroud off, um you bought Diaz off. I personally think Brahim Diaz is better off the bench, by the way. Yeah, and I I think it's much better on a wing uh, right now than centrally. Cam, yeah. Uh, but I mean, his changes worked. Benesa came on, started to control the game more. Uh, what what they basically did was push sort of Benesa back to towards the defense, so then he could receive and then create from there. Because Verona were pressing, strangely enough, Ellis Verona were pressing. So like Milan were left with like a five up front. They were going getting close to Leao even when he received. So it was like Rafa Leao, Origi, Rebic. But then you had Sandro Tonali as well bombing forward, which is what eventually resulted in the goal. Um, I think they basically the changes freshened things up, made them a lot more mobile and then dynamic. I don't know what do you think, Marco? I agree with you, and on this, I don't know if you uh, read the last um, ranking by four four two on the best fifty top managers, and Pioli was fifth. Which is quite impressive, uh, but you know, there are some arguments for that because like one, uh, two, three, four, five. Yeah, five. <laughs> it's really high. I well, no, I'm, I'm, high. Pleasant, I'm pleasantly but surprised. I like no, I like it too. I like it too. Yeah, but uh, shout out to four four two. Marco, correct yeah, me if I'm wrong, but uh, Ancelotti wasn't in top five, no. No, Ancelotti was second. Oh, second. There was I read somewhere. Second. Who had ranked the top five, and Ancelotti wasn't even in the top five. <laughs> no, no, it was it was the second. It was like Guardiola, Ancelotti, mm. Klopp. Uh, uh, I don't know the fourth one right now. Maybe Thomas Tuchel, but I'm not sure. Oh, okay. Really? Okay. Um, yeah, but I'm not sure. It was I mean... like in the top ten, like no doubt top ten, but I don't I don't remember it all at, at the moment. But uh, by the way, about Bill, yeah, I agree. the The point is, is like. Uh, I don't know, an inventor is always able to find the right solution at the right moment, even when he has a lot, uh, many, many injured players, like right now. Uh, I don't think that Milan is, uh, are going through a, a good moment because of those injuries from a, you know, like quality perspective of the, of their game. But thanks to Pioli, they always managed to find some, some solution. Um, and on the investments, I think that, even though Pioli is really good at doing the, uh, finding those solutions, there is something missing in this Milan team because uh, apart from Mignan Tataruzano, which is a huge difference between the two, uh, as I was saying, but also uh, on the right, you're, you know, you have Salimekers, you have Messias, they're both out at the moment, so you're playing Brian Diaz. I, I'm not a huge fan of Brian Diaz in general. I actually think he's better between the lines than on yeah. the on the right wing because he has the tendency to to come inside of the pitch and when you have Calabria out and Kadulu there there's like no one on the right side of the of the pitch no so no that's a that's a problem 
well, you know, he's a he's a really good manager, and it's quite surprising because he wasn't really you know like uh, famous or renowned here in Italy. He was like a Lazio manager kind of level, yeah. but not not much more. So <gasps> you uh, just insulted job. every Lazio fan on the uh, who's listening to this part. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> rest in peace, your mentions. Um, Honestly, it's uh, it's quite funny because uh, before getting the Milan job, Pioli was everyone talked about the Pioli highs. Yes. Pioli came in and kind of busted for a few months, and then every everything just went sideways. Uh, but at Milan, so far the tops haven't gone down. I I just can't get past how calm he's been. Throughout, I've never has he ever been. I mean, but everybody, every manager gets sent off in Serie A, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Yeah. Has he has he ever been sent off, or he he just he handles he handles a job that's extremely big with such calmness. Uh, I don't remember any any ejection actually. Uh, no. Yeah, it's no. it's he's really calm. He's really calm. Uh, I like that about him. He's. Uh, it's also nice to hear him after the after the matches. His his reasoning, his uh, ability to explain how the game went really calmly. Yeah, I like I like that about him because many other managers like I don't know Simon Inzaghi is quite <laughs> quite bad to listen to. Do you like his voice, Marco? His voice? Yeah, his deep. My I hate him. Honestly, I hate him. I Why? Just... What's wrong with with Simon? I don't know. He's just he's always complaining about everything. Yeah, in I agree. that's a good point. Like in throughout the managers in Syria who love to complain or moan. I think Sari came out and said they need to find a new manager again this week. Yeah, because the pitch is too bad. Yeah, because he was furious or Mourinho. Obviously, I don't know. He's going to be sent off. I'm betting five more times. He's already been sent off once. Um, and then obviously Spalletti's a character. In all of that, you've got purely who's just like, I don't know, the, the hippie manager who's kind of just calm. Um, but Milan picking up a, a, a crucial win there. Let's move on to Napoli 3, Bologna 2. What did uh, what did we all make of this? Um, well, it was a hard fought. What win for for Napoli this this time? That is, by the way, for the people who don't know, I'm guessing you do. If you if you listen to this podcast, it, that is, um, it's Thiago Motta, right? Yes. What? The, yeah, the manager in, of Bologna. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah, Thiago, yeah. What do you mean? What? what do, you, do you think I was just saying Thiago Motta randomly, Max? No, I, I I didn't hear what you said, honestly. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I just want to I just want to say this. I think we've said it before, but I can't tell if teams are worse at defending set pieces this year. But it feels as though Napoli, with their height, are always going to be a, a danger. Kim Van Jesus, but it feels as though teams in the league are horribly bad at defending set pieces this year. Actually, I didn't yeah. even realize that that there were so many goals from set pieces. Yeah, Napoli. Okay, Kim like scored. I don't three goals already. Two, three goals. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, B- B- Bologna were as in in terms of defending were pretty 
like pretty pretty bad with uh, in terms of defending the corners. But I think this is the first game in not a while, but probably this season where I've seen that maybe Napoli's defense can be gotten at. Yeah, and um, Bologna kind of uh, identified a threat uh, with the shots from distance. Um, they scored one goal uh, like that, and they they had a few more uh, close, uh, which was interesting because um, Thiago Motta team doesn't Does usually do that, do that, right? No. It, I, I I personally think the second Bologna goal is a mistake as well. Yeah, Meret should have it. Surely you should Absolutely. be. It, it 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 perhaps sort of palms his hands, yeah. um, and then. Through that though, they they just get it through with uh, Victor Osiman, who pulled them out of countless situations last year. But now he has, I feel like, a chasing pack behind him who can support him. Are we finally, like, finally, 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 finally thinking that this could be Napoli's year? I know that everybody says it constantly, but I think it was Spalletti who who said it and said that like these players don't know, like. They don't know the hurt the previous teams have got. Their spine in terms of Mertens, Insigne, uh, Koulibaly, Fabian Rui, they, they sort of all, all knew the pressure around Napoli and they haven't won a Scudetto in Youngs. These guys sort of don't know that. It makes sense, actually. But, uh, you know, I want to see them um, at the end of the season to see if they manage to keep this... Uh, this quality of of, uh, of play because it's kind of a surprise Napoli. Um, they bought some great players, but nobody knew that they were great players. You know, Kvara, uh, Kim, uh, and so on and so forth. And but at the moment, I think that they are, without a doubt, a, a, a real contender for contender for uh, for Scudetto. Uh, yeah, well, honestly, yeah. I had them like fourth at the, the beginning of the season, but now I would be surprised if they fall off the top three. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, my my main concern is that um, that Napoli play with a lot of um intense intensity, which is uh, very physically right. demanding. So we we're only what is it two three months into the season, and I. I want to see if they can kind of sustain that level throughout the year, uh, how it affects them if they they don't, um, if they can't keep that level of intensity up, uh, if it will bring injuries in the end. Um, there, there are a lot of um, kind of aspects, I think, uh, we still are yet to see from this Napoli team. But uh, quality-wise, of course, I think they will... As, as Marco said, at least get a top three place. Um, but I think we we need to evaluate closer to maybe February, March, uh, how have they kept this intensity level and physical demanding level up uh, if they still have a lot of players available and, and yeah, everything like that. Well, luckily for them, their depth is quite impressive. They have many players that could come in and uh, uh, be impactful. Uh, yeah. Like Anguissa was out, but they have Tombele. Uh, if Mario is not playing, they have Oliveira and, and you know, like Lozano, Politano, Raspadori, Simeone, Ozyman. They have uh, many options, and that's a, a really important thing 
yeah. for uh, you know like a long championship, a long run in the you know championship. And, and that's pretty much the the main difference from, from yeah. last year. But they, I, I would argue that they have a better squad than Milan, Inter, Juve for sure. Maybe not Inter. Inter have decent depth. No, not Inter. But the, I always, and, and yeah. this is going to lead on to the point, I always think that Inter have good depth. But then some of the players who don't start playing, then I think, oh, yeah, maybe not then. If if you know what I mean. And also we have to, yeah, we, have to we have to remember this year, the, the three at the back that was like the spine on the Conte when they last won Scudetto is not... I think that the key it's not been as good since Conte left. I think it started to get a bit shaky last year with De Vrij sort of dropping off and then they've they've sort of had problems with it this year. Um but that sort of I think leads on nicely to to my next point. I want to talk some inter. Because I know there's, Marco there's also... has been Sorry, go on, Max. Sorry, rudely yeah, interrupted a... me. Yes, no, sorry, just a quick <laughs> kind of note on, on what you said about the back three and that's yeah. It feels like there's some friction there uh, with Bastoni, uh, with Skriniar, yeah. um, which can it can get better, but it can all but it can also get uh, a lot worse. Yeah, okay, he wasn't. Improve, honestly, he 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 reacted sort of poorly, I think, to being subbed off early in a game. I don't remember when that was. I remember seeing it, though. Um, now, I want to come to you, Marco, because you've closely followed Inter this year and done a lot of work with them. They've, uh, they're eight points off, off top. I know they've played a lot of the, the, the big teams. They lost Milan Derby. Um, they lost to Roma. They lost to Lazio. So that's, I guess, the nine points there. What do you think is, if at all, if anything is going wrong? Well, it's uh, it's a long discourse. Um, you know, I think that Inter started the season a bit behind on the condition point of view. Uh, they weren't running so so good, and then the the poor results uh, brought uh, a bad mental condition, um, and especially defensively, they struggled a lot. But if you see the numbers, actually, they were defending better, uh, talking about expected goal against than last year. The problem is uh, that they used to have, as we call him in Italy, a chair for a goalkeeper, Samir Andanovic, <laughs> <laughs> because every shot was a goal, honestly. So the fact that Onana is starting now, it's, uh, it's a good thing for Inter, even though it's not really trustworthy. He's not that reliable, but, you know, he has that uh, uh, kind of sweeper-keeper attitude that Andanovic doesn't have. So that yeah. will give confidence to, to the team and especially the two matches against Barcelona, even though they didn't play like they used to play, you know, because Inter usually try to uh, dominate the ball, the, the game, while against Barcelona they were sitting really deep, 5-3-2 and counter-attack. But the, those two matches really gave a, a boost mentally to this team. So I think that Inter will be uh, a team to watch for, for Scudetto at the end of the season. Agreed, yeah. It feels like... Those two games, and I think there was a Salernitana. Well, the Salernitana win added into that has sort he sort of recovered them from this maybe mini crisis a little bit. When there's a lot of mm-hmm. people questioning him and questioning the players, and even during the interviews, when some of the players were saying, "Are you a bit disgruntled with what's going on? Are you 
pissed off with Inzaghi and the player sort of got angry with, with the person who was asking the uh, questions. What do you call them? Oh, yeah, journalists. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he sort of them and said, no, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong. We're going to keep going as a team. Um, it's just, I feel as though it's, to me, the most exciting title race in, in the world because there is four or five teams that literally, if they find a good run like Milan did last year, that will that that's what's going to drag them over the line. I don't know what you think, Max. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. Um, there's with with Inter, I've I've thought in the in the league that um, for a while they they've looked a bit down mentally and and stuff like that but then you see them against Barcelona in, in the Champions League and it's like you can see what they're about there uh, the, their full potential and if they can tr- translate that to to the Serie A I think that um, they have a great chance of winning it to be honest yeah it was a fun fun game against Barcelona by the way I didn't like that so much since I'm a kind of a Barcelona fan. Apart <laughs> huh? from Cagliari, of course, which yeah, is yeah, you're a Cagliari fan. You li- you yes, live next yeah. door to Joao Pedro. Did you know this man? I used to. <laughs> he uh, Joao Pedro is in Fenerbahce now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Left, unfortunately. Get in oh. the game, Darnish. All right. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> I told yeah, him already. I told that's... him already. He just doesn't listen. I, I was just joking. That's like this week. Sorry, just a, a quick a quick side note on Hylas Verona. Gabriela Choffi left. We we talked about this last week. Yeah, I know, but um, <laughs> I don't know why nobody told me. <laughs> I was I was I guess I was a little late on that one because there's just so much going on all the time. Did you see who's their manager now? Who is it? Salvatore Bocchetti. Yeah, of. He used to play uh, for um, what, what was it? Spartak Moscow. Ah, yeah, Spartak Moscow. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yes. Yeah, and but, um, you know, and Milan also. I mean, he pro- he played for Vir- I, yeah Milan. He played for Ruben Kazan. He played for Genoa, I think. Yeah, it was a brief stint on yeah. loan. He played five times I, I for the remember. national team. He played yeah. five times for the national really? team as well. I think it was in like oh, 2014, yeah. 15 or something like that. Mm. He's yeah, it was the new... bad Milan period. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we have like... Uh, he's, uh, he's another one of the Gasperini, Gasperini creatures because yes. many of uh, uh, of course, managers in Italy right now were uh, Gasperini's player. So Bocchetti, Juric, Tiago Motta. So he's kind of... I don't know, like like a Dr. Frankenstein right now, Gasperini, because everyone is... <laughs> I love also... that. You love that, yeah. I like it too, actually. Just came up with that. That's uh... awesome. That's genius. Anyway, go on. <laughs> so he's, uh, he created a new a new tendency in the in Italian football, you know, pressing high, man, um, man marking, uh, and so on and so forth. And that's really interesting. And there's also a, an article on L'Ultimo Uomo, if you want to read it, if you know Italian, of course, uh, about that. I do not know Italian, Marco. Really bad for you. You should. You should. I wish it. I did. I wish I did. But that—that's a good point. There's you. some. Yeah, 
I would I would love that. There's some exciting young coaches, I think, in Syria. Um there's also like Rafael Paladinos at Monza, uh, Salvatore Bocetti. Also a Gasperini player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's plenty of um like young coaches there, I think, that have took maybe mid table or sort of mid like relegation fodder in Syria and we're gonna see some interesting things there, which is kinda of nice because I don't know, I, I loved that Verona team last year. Barak, Simeone, uh, Caprari. Yeah, me too. They they were <laughs> they were kind of our second team last year. I think that's basically the only reason we had a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> And now yeah, it's know. a pity they dismantled the team totally. So, uh, so Marco, we had the segment at the end of the podcast, uh, which is uh, goat and asshole of the week. And I think last season we had uh, Gianluca Caprari as the goat of the week almost every week. Rightly so. Rightly Just, so. <laughs> I'm so like he never has texted back or anything or DM'd. Probably maybe because he. Well, I wonder if he speaks English. He probably doesn't. No, 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 it's not. Anyway, uh, Juve won the Turin derby. Um, Vlahovic obviously scored. I did watch. Did did we watch this game? Yes. What what did what did we so, think? Go on. I uh, Pogba and Chiesa are back in training. I think that's that's one positive thing for for the Juve fans out there. Um, I just don't really know what they're doing. On the pitch, Juve. Even when, um, maybe last year, when when he had doubters, or even this year in the beginning, when he had maybe big games against Roma, um, I could maybe see what was what was trying to 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 go on. But like low blocking against Juric's Tor- Torino team, like with Vlasic and Beranchuk and Lukic and and players like this, I don't know if it if like. That's a Juve to get behind. I don't know how many weeks we can say or bash Juve. I didn't but this watch is the just game. Not, I, said, I, 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 don't, I genuinely don't know how long this is going to last looked, now. Uh, like they improved. Uh, they pressed higher. They created many chances. Uh, I think Milinkovic Savic play, played a great game, as I seen from the highlights. So maybe some like like a spot, like some good news for Juventus fans, but. I don't know. It's it's a long run, and we'll see when Kies and Pogba will be back. But this Juventus team is just really bad at the moment, and they also lost uh, Bremer. Bremer injured, so they used to have like one of the worst mm. uh, defensive lines in Serie A. Now probably they have the worst one, <laughs> but you know. <laughs> hmm. I, I statistically they were a little better in. Like you said, they created a couple more chances, but I still didn't really. There's just no smooth way that they get from midfield or defense to attack. It's just literally try and get it down the wing and pump it either to Vlahovic's feet so he has his back to goal and then something can happen, or um, get down the wing with Kostic and, and McKenny or Quadrado and, and, and try and cross it in. But like wins are precious for Allegri at the minute. Juventus just cross crossing game. That's that's all they do, and they do it quite badly too. Even though they have two great crossers like Kostic and Quadrado, and two good uh, strikers from in uh, aerial duels like Vlaovic and and Milik. But you know that meme. I don't know it, uh, how it goes exactly, exactly, but just like diff, uh, you have to 
play defense, then the midfield, you know, just random random stuff and then attack. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that, yeah I've yeah, seen that meme. That, that's Juventus, but, you know, even the, the defensive part and the offensive part are quite bad. That's Juventus in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. I don't... Let, let's see what's going to happen. Um, it's too expensive to get rid of him. He's on... Is it 9 million euros a year? Yeah, 9 million a year. 9 million euros a year. They're two points behind Inter. Um, they're six behind Roma. But do you remember when everybody tipped them for... Scudetto with their with their summer transfer window. Yeah, they were probably like the the favorites for the yeah. moment. Which is uh, mad to think because the I, I remember a, a lot of people saying that Napoli weren't gonna do so well and Atalanta weren't gonna mm-hmm. do so well and now it's Napoli and Atalanta at the top. Yeah, that's crazy. Atalanta just ten games, zero losses. Crazy. It's I think to me, I don't know about you, the most interesting thing to me, apart from like maybe Sadi's Lazio, but Sadi's Lazio was was different because everybody predicted that they would be better this year. You know, like mm-hmm. second second year of Sadi Ball and just getting used to pressing more and high pressing. And they had good players that were A fast but B mobile so they could sort of adapt to this verticality that Sari likes to play. So we kind of expected to see them get better, right? Um the most interesting thing to me, and I'm, I'm going to try and look more into it this week, is being Atalanta's absolute 180 of just it's it's not intense. The the I, I need to look at the pressing mm-hmm. stats a, a little more, but they're not pressing as much. It's yeah, they they're pri- prioritizing clean sheets as well, and it's a, an entire new defense as well. We got some very good young players coming through now: Scalvini, Ockley. Uh, yep. Brandon Soppy as well, and mixed in with sort of the the originals, if you like, of like Joachim Myler, Deron is a is a player I really love. Pasalic, Coke Miners, um, like that's Gasparini has undergone another rebuild, but like it's a different identity this time. Yeah, they radically changed their approach. As I was saying earlier, Gasparini like created a tendency in Italy with high pressing and man marking, but now it's just. Uh, has changed totally. Uh, he's not pressing high. He's uh, sitting not deep, like a mid block maybe, uh, because they have they don't have that quality that they used to have with Papu Gomez, uh, Ilicic, and so on. And they have many fast wingers. You know, uh, Boga when he plays, Sop is really fast. Lukman, which is incredible, he's playing really good, really well, and I didn't expect it honestly. So, no, I don't want to look one. He, yeah, uh, but you know, he changed his approach, and I think he he made a good choice because you have to uh, be able to adapt to to your players, and he made a good choice, I'd say. And you know, I think that we have to to keep an eye on Atalanta too because this uh, this season they don't have any any European uh, uh, I don't know uh, cup to play. Uh, so yeah. it's better to take a look at them. I don't. I don't think Gasperini is really happy to play this kind of football because I know he hates this kind of football. But you know, you just have to uh, to be able to adapt to the situation. Yeah, I just found it really interesting. I, I think he's. You know, um, they talk about really influential coaches, and Marcelo Bielsa has. Yes. Got quite a lot of fanfare surrounding him, rightfully so. Obviously, Ralph Ranić and the whole. Red Bull um, 
project. This is a side note on what I'm saying. Is it Rassenball Sport? It's not, is it? Right. Who? Like, as in, you know, Red Bull Leipzig. Is it Rassenball yes. Sport in Germany? It is. Yes. Yes. Okay. So, like, Ralph Rangnick is very heralded for the um, whole Red Bull project. And a lot of managers have come for that. I think Gasparini is sort of Italy's answer to that. He just hasn't got that many, that much clout. I can't think of a better word. That, I really <laughs> as the like other that. two have clout. That's a great yeah. point. That's a great point, honestly. Yeah, he's like a Thank maestro, you. as we say here in Italy. That's that's a great point. Uh, I, I think don't know we why might he's not I mean, that no famous maybe uh, outside of Italy, and that that's a pity. But yeah, I think that he can be uh, assimilated to like Bielsa, Reitnik in the way that he changed uh, football uh, for his influence, especially in Italy. Yeah, I think we we it's interesting. We touched upon it earlier. It feels like where. We're leading point upon point, and it's flowing nicely today, which is good. But we might see more when these young Italian coaches become more prominent. Um, so like these Biocetti or Thiago Motta at Bologna, and then he might get more recognition. But what he's done at Atalanta, I think, is is outstanding, really. And he, it's a surprise that he's still there, because like from the 2017 season, he was saying that he was going to leave, because there was nothing more to nothing more to do because he Atlanta yeah. was already like reached their top level their peak but actually they don't <laughs> yeah i i also sort of in the same realm of purely i find it interesting that like he's also been around the block and managed uh different teams he managed genoa twice he managed palermo twice there was a sort of a weird stint with inter milan in mm-hmm. 2011 before finding his feet in, in 2016, actually, my final year of university with, with Atalanta. Um, I always think it's super interesting to me that coaches in Italy are just kind of float around for different teams. Like Pioli's managed Lazio, like you said, but then he's Very also true. managed AC Milan and, and, and Fiorentina. Like, could you imagine, I don't know, Brendan Rodgers well, managing yeah. like I don't know, Arsenal... And then Liverpool, if that makes sense. Well, Brendan Rodgers actually changed teams a lot, no? Uh, yeah, no. he did. But like, for instance, Pioli managed Inter Milan as well. Yeah, the the difference between Gasperini and Pioli is that Gasperini already had a huge run with Genoa, as you were saying. Uh, a good run. He uh, arrived like fourth, maybe fifth. You know, he went to the... Um, Europa League uh, one year then he tried to yeah. make that you know the step ahead with Inter and that just went horribly and then with Palermo it's like a really short uh, spell of time and then with Atalanta he basically created what he created at Genoa but better with better players yeah. and a better project yeah, yeah. while Pioli just changed teams like every season he was a good manager not a great manager but the way he evolved it's actually crazy. Gasperini is always the same kind of manager, okay? In general, he used to play like he plays with Atalanta, or he played with Atalanta because, as we said, this season they changed a lot. Well, Pioli was like a normal manager that then, I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> he had like a really great evolution as a manager, really yeah. modern manager. So that's impressive, honestly. That's impressive. I'm more impressed by Pioli than the, by Gasperini. Hmm. 
Yeah, no, definitely. I think it's an astonishing achievement. Um, we've talked a lot about Pioli and Gasparini and, and just uh, in general culture, not normally like the weekly basis where we just look at games and stuff. But Marco, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, my friend. Yeah, to me too. I hope to, to come here again. <laughs> yes, we will and invite you by, back maybe. By the way, if, if Max... by the way yes. I wanted to go. say a thing. Um, how do we you are. pronounce the, the name of the podcast? Let's see your Italian. Because uh... I've heard it mispronouncing, so I want to... Like, oh my God, right really? Yeah, I want to give the right pronunciation as an Italian man, so come on, okay. try it. Aria? Aria? Aria, all right, kind of. De rigore. Aria di rigore. Aria de rigore. <laughs> really Italian. Aria di rigore. With hand, Aria de rigore. Right? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Is that how rigore. you actually say it? But how was I saying it? Aria de, Aria de rigore. I like area, which is more like, um, I don't know how to say it. Air. Aria. Yeah. It's air in Italian. Aria. Area. Area. It's a. Eh, not a e, di rigore. Okay, perfect. But actually, well, you I mean, pronounce it quite well, so don't worry. Yes, you, you see, improved. if you put me... I'm I'm Antonio Conte, man. If you put me under pressure, <laughs> I will win. Um, <laughs> but listen, it's been a, a ball having you on. Um, thank you for everybody who's listened on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, uh, wherever you are. If you can check out all the articles on breakingthelines.com and we will see you again next week to digest more uh, Italian culture. There's only four shows left till the World Cup. We'll be talking and, and going deeper into, into some, some different teams that we haven't spoke about. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.